0: Welcome to the Advocate for Kids podcast. I'm your host, 4Kids President Kevin Enders. Join us on the journey to discover stronger advocacy through nonprofit best practices, life changing stories, and business strategies that take our mission to the next level. We're here to advocate stronger than ever together. Well, hello again. Welcome back to the Advocate for Kids podcast. My name is Kevin Enders. I'm the president and CEO of 4Kids of South Florida. We're thankful that you joined us again for another great and exciting episode of the Advocate for Kids podcast. As we head into October, it's uh, National Foster Youth Voice Month, and you're going to be so blessed to hear some amazing stories from our two guests that are with us today to share a little bit about their experience and ways that um, the system of care could do a better job. And we want to hear from the youth. We want to hear from voices. So, Give a warm welcome to my friends Akoya and Tex, guys. Welcome! Thanks for being here. Nice. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're we're so thankful, and I've gotten to know both of these two amazing young people um, over the course of my time here at Four Kids, and uh, really love them deeply, and super impressed with how God has worked in their lives and how He continues to work in their lives. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right in and get to share a little bit about that with you guys today. So we're gonna start with Akoya. We just wanted to. Have you share a little bit about um, kind of those early years when you first became introduced to four kids, kind of what was going on in your life then, and tell us a little bit about that. I was
1: 16, and I became pregnant, and the group home I was staying at, you're not allowed to stay there when you're pregnant, mm-hmm. so they had to move me to a maternity home, and at the time, four kids had a facility called His Caring Place. Okay,
0: okay. So, so then you were able to come and join us at His Caring Place while you were pregnant?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay.
0: Tell us a little bit more about that story.
1: Oh, so when I first came to Four Kids while I was pregnant, it was very new to me um, because they had so much, like, they wanted to be around you a lot and be supportive Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I wasn't used to having that support. So when I first had it, it was kind of uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing you share that before, but tell us a little bit about how, how God used some of the relationships at Four Kids to help you through that.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) So basically, I wasn't really walking with God when I went to four kids. Mm. But then after a while, I started seeing all these miracles happening and I started just like hearing everything about this God. And I was like, this guy sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually I kind of just started drawing near to him
0: and Mm. it worked out very well. Mm, Yeah, well, we're going to get more into that story later, but thank you so much. That's awesome. And text tell us a little bit about your early days at 4Kids. How did you come to know about 4Kids and what was going on in your life at the time?
2: Uh, I originally came to know about 4Kids through my sister who was at 4Kids at the time. I had already aged out. I was basically, I was 21 going on 22, and I did not know up from down. My life was basically just in shambles, didn't know what to do. And, uh, I heard about this program four kids had for young adults for independent living, mm-hmm. and I decided to take a risk cause I didn't want to abandon my family. This, that's what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a decision, you know, if I want to make something out of myself, then I'm gonna have to break away from the cycle and take a risk. And that risk was joining, uh, being a resident with four kids.
0: Okay. And tell us a little bit about that experience, like making that choice. Right. And then coming into, and I know for your story too, it was very structured. It was like you're used to being free and all of a sudden people are in your business, you know, like it was like really I mean, uncomfortable. It was a relief. I like, Okay, It was a
2: relief because I finally had the opportunity to just work on me hmm. and really have other people to look up to. Hmm. Like, uh, the, the person that was heading our house, his name was Eddie Archer. So, you know, unbeknownst to me, like just his presence, I just was drawn to it because it was just another male that had his life together, had goals and things he wanted to do. And I would just pull toward that because I had no direction. I had really no goals. And I was like, I kind of want to be like him. Mm. So I just it was it was it was it was a great time for me because it was it was an opportunity for me to finally just okay I can now just feel like I'm in a good safe place where I can just work on me mm-hmm. and not have to worry about everybody else.
0: Ah, that's good. That's good. So as this new story, new chapter in your life starts to unfold, right? There's probably some really good memories and and some times where it was really difficult, right, and challenging. So. Maybe we could spend a few minutes just talking about what were some of those early experiences that were, wow, refreshing? Like, thank God, like people care or, you know, maybe from your voice, what was that like? And maybe share some highlights of things that were going well for you at the time.
1: Okay, so I've been in a lot of group homes, but the difference between four kids and like other group homes I was in. I feel like most group homes just gave me access to resources because that was my right. I'm a foster child, but they never gave me the knowledge on how to actually use the resources. Mm-hmm. So when I got to four kids, they would actually sit down and talk to me and make me critical think. And I wasn't mm-hmm. used to that. So when I finally understood that I can change the course of my life at any given moment, I started to work on myself, ask questions, and like just use every opportunity that was in my way. So that was a great, great, great time for me.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Tex, what about you?
2: <laughs> you know, one of the things I had to work through and it, it took a while was just feeling guilt of, well, my mom and dad are in this situation and they're not doing too well. And I'm in a situation where my needs are being met. I'm excelling. You know, what role do I play in their lives or being active in their life, if any, at I should play. And, you know, it took me a long time to really realize that at a certain point, you have to let adults be adults and recognize that you can only do so much before you get dragged down too. Mm -hmm. And the best thing for me to do was just focus on my life and to focus on where the Lord wants to take me next. Because if I kept on just trying to reach my hand out to help them, then I would have just continuously just been either complacent or dragged down because it was more, it was more responsibility than I was, than any one person should be able to
0: take right? on. Yeah, it's a lot to take on. <laughs> Tell me a, a little bit about how, you know, the resident advisor or other, maybe other guys in the program really helped you though. Like, what were some practical things that you were you were learning maybe for the first time to help you kind of through that process for me
2: it was just living life with them Mm -hmm. you know just living life with them really inspired me to be a better person Mm -hmm. because i saw how they did life i saw how they carried themselves i saw how they interacted with me and other people and for me it just inspired me to like okay there is something to achieve there is a better me I can be, mm. and I really like this person. I want to, you know, I look up to this person. I think just for as men in general, we just really gravitate towards very strong characters, okay. uh, whether it be positive or negative. And mm. just with the the men that I was around with four kids, it was just very positive, very construct constructive, okay. and it really helped me like open up my eyes to like, okay, this is something to achieve. This is something to work towards. Mm. It gave me basically a vision to like, look onto. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really, really good. So we want to go to a place where maybe we just kind of talk about some of the difficult things, you know? Um, and that could be whether or not it was with four kids or just from the system. Like when you were talking about bouncing around or being in multiple group homes, I know I've, I've heard you share in the past some things that you wish could have been done differently. Um, you know, and I'm not gonna tell you what that was, but I I came away profoundly impacted by some of the stories that you've shared. So can you talk about, you know, even your journey before four kids or during your journey with four kids, like when you look at the system as a youth and you say like, here's some things that need to change, that need to be improved for you, for Akoya, you know, what would you say some of those things are?
1: Well, the most important one, I still remember it, I was sexually assaulted when I was 15 and I wasn't with my mom anymore. And I told my caseworker, do not tell my family because I knew my mom would take it the wrong way and think that I was running the streets. So we went to my my little staffing and I was sitting in a courtroom, little courtroom with the judge. And it was like 10 people around the table. And my caseworker just aired it out. And I felt so shamed mm. and embarrassed. And I felt so like disrespected and sometimes I just wish that my caseworkers would just talk to me you know I know I'm young but I still would like to have the right to have some boundaries especially if it's something concerning my sexuality because it was a very confusing point point. Mm. and um so basically that's the number one thing caseworkers I wish they would talk to me like you have my crr and that's kind of the only thing some of them go by.
0: Mm.
1: But I'm different than
0: a book. A book, right? Yeah. Yeah. You are a person <laughs> with emotions and challenges and dreams and everything else. So getting to know you and and letting your voice be a part of your story. Right. And not mm-hmm. not continuing to feel like someone else is making all the decisions for you. Right. right. Yeah. That's beautiful. So young man. <laughs> What are some of the things that you would share you know again with your journey um again we've talked about some of the things that were really good and positive influences in your life what, is it, what are some of the things maybe as a system or again for kids that you look back on and said I'd, this is something i would change or something i would like to have changed
2: okay yeah um well this this is not necessarily uh tied to kids specifically but just i guess as a system as a whole the different organizations i think one thing that's definitely lacking is having like a core vision, like something, a foundation that the staff look on and Like this is what this company or this is what this organization represents and actually believe it, mm. you know, um, something that I believe Forkiz did very well and continues to do very well is that the people that come on board, don't just come on board because this is a job they want to do. They come on board because they see what Forkiz is about. They see the vision, they see the cause and they're like, I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that really helps set the, the foundation down for them to really give it their all. Because when, when things get tough or or when things get shaky, oftentimes most people, especially in the child welfare, treat it as just a job, well, this person is annoying or this person is this. I'm only doing this because I'm, you know, I, I want to secure some sort of financial stability. Right. But it's not necessarily about I'm here because I believe what this organization represents, you know, and because I believe what this organization represents, I'm willing to go through the depth of a child's despair because I want to see healing in that child's life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you would say that you, you wish that for other organizations that are in this work. work. So it's not just, Hey, I'm clocking out at five and you know, you, no. you got to go deal with your problems. It's more of a real commitment and relationship. Yeah. Yeah.
2: A real good, like, a, a well-established community where, like, when new people come in, it's like, hey, this is what Forkis is about. This yeah. is what we do. Yeah. This is how we do it, yeah. you know? This is why we're here, you know? Mm-hmm. And understanding that is more than just them. It's like we're working. We're all doing our best to work together.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, because yeah. when you're in the foster care world, it can be very tumultuous it's yeah. just a lot of yeah. it's a lot of you know black there's a lot of like you know really small nuances that are very tailored to each and every individual child
0: yeah yeah well that's that's really good i appreciate you sharing that because i i i do agree obviously i see a lot of people that are called here because they believe that god called them into this work mm-hmm. and you know this paradigm that you might see behind my back on the wall of hope homes and healing like we're committed to providing hope, you know, for kids and families in crisis and, you know, providing stable housing and homes, you know, it's different than a house and a structure. It's a home, it's family, it's relationship. And um, the healing component is critical so that we can not only become all God created us to be, but then we can impact the future of kids and families in the system. So um, these two people are just amazing overcomers. And, you know, there's so much more we could share and our limited time, we have a lot um, a lot of amazing things that God is doing in their lives. Um, and so I wanted to shift a little bit now and have you guys share a little bit about what's going on in your life today. Tell us a little bit about where you're at today. What are some of the things that you're doing professionally, personally, and, you know, maybe, um, spiritually, just some of the things that are going on in your, in your life today, Akoya.
1: Yes. So I'm in my last semester of my social work degree. So I graduate this fall with my BSW. I'm now interning at 4Kids, which is awesome. I was really excited because they're like family. I love 4Kids and other places too. Um, I'm newly married, almost six months now. And that was a big surprise. Came very quickly. (laughs) The Lord delivers. And I am working on myself spiritually a lot more than I was when I was younger. And it's it's very, very good. I'm getting out, put myself out there, going to Young Adult Nights at Calvary Chapel nice. to just get some more community. Nice. And I'm looking forward to attending grad
0: school. Woo, look at that. All right, that's exciting, that's exciting. And I know you got some other things that you do in your spare time on top of being everything else that you just talked about. Tell us a little bit about this group that you formed or are part of.
1: Yes, it's called YSO, Youth System Organizers. It's a small board, and we're funded through the Children's Services Council. And basically, we go out, we do outreach at group homes, and we conduct surveys, and then we analyze those surveys um, just to get feedback on what we can do to improve the child welfare system. Mm -hmm. And it's centered on youth youth voice, along with repairing the relationship between system professionals and youth and it's going really well we just went to the summit in dc and it was amazing
0: oh my gosh you did you were in dc i saw some news about that
1: they went on behalf of me because Uh, i was interning
0: okay wow (laughs) that's awesome i want to hear more about that after but um look at the smile on her face right i mean look what god's doing in her life she's got a lot going on got working on finalizing her degree getting married um has a beautiful daughter who's five i believe five years old yeah yeah, and then thinking about grad school and uh, forming a group of, of world changers, really, and that's awesome. I'm so proud of you, that's, that's phenomenal. Tex, yes. yeah, Tex has got quite a story himself. Yeah, Tell okay. us a little bit about your wife and your children and everything that's going on in your life.
2: Well, uh, my wife is doing fantastic. She works for a, a local so- social services organization called ChildNet. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a supervisor there doing phenomenal, just she's, killing it. She's phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. <laughs> killing it, you know. And uh, we both are licensed foster parents, and we have
0: five kids that we're fostering, and then we have a son of our own. And Wait a second. Did you just say you have a son of your own and you're fostering five? Okay. Just want to make sure that everyone that's listening to our podcast yes. or watching heard what Tex just said. Yes. So, okay.
2: yeah. So, fostering five, we have a son of our own. So, six kids total. Been married for just under three years, okay. so that has been a, 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 a quite the roller coaster, and in the the best of ways to to put it. Mm-hmm. And you know, throughout this whole experience, I've been tr- trying to figure out, you know, where I've been really praying, thinking about a lot in terms of like, what place do men have in terms of just diving into foster care? and especially married men who maybe oftentimes I find out their wife are interested, but mm-hmm. they're not really sold into it. So it's like, they're kind of the gatekeepers in a lot of ways of whether or not like a household moves forward with getting involved in foster care Yeah, and just the importance of just utilizing my voice and my experience to bring more uh, just more knowledge to those who don't know mm-hmm. because as far as I'm concerned, as long as I can get you curious, you never know where that can lead down the line. What, how the Lord can use that curiosity to really open someone's mm-hmm. eyes to, okay, what can I do in mm-hmm. the system? And as they say, a uh, male, you know, what what
0: can I offer? Yeah, you know? That's really powerful. Um, and I appreciate you sharing that because, um, our world, our families—they need strong men. They do. They need men that are willing to pray about stuff like this and step up and and lead their families to to take care of children and just to be a positive influence in the community. So I'm I'm super proud of you and and just have watched these stories unravel as I've got to know them better. Um, and I know you can quickly glance over because yeah. this is you. This is this is you. This is what I do. But I'm just I'm just compelled to think that there might be somebody listening today that. You know, is in a really dark place. You know that maybe there's a youth that will just plug into this podcast. And and what would you say to them? What would you say to them if maybe they're because I'm sure you and I know I have had moments in my life where it's been a, a deep dark place, and sometimes you get overwhelmed by losing that hope. You guys are just I mean, such amazing stories. Um, what would you say to somebody that might be listening that needs to have hope back in their lives? I was yelling in my head, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Yeah.
1: But I would say you just got to keep moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. What's really gotten me through a lot is always having the mentality that everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. And that that's, it's really serious. Wow. That's, so you just that's... don't want to make permanent decisions based off a temporary feeling wow. or a circumstance you're in.
0: A lot of wisdom in that, a
2: lot of wisdom. Tex, what about you? You know, there's something that I, I, I truly believe the Lord has been like, uh, put it in my mind in terms of like a, a certain mentality, you know, um, which is basically derived from four kids, which is jumping into the story, you know, God has a story for you, Mm -hmm. jump in. And oftentimes I think it can get overwhelming because we want to go all in, or we don't think maybe we have all the resources and, and God dropped this knowledge. to I was like, don't be the book, just be a letter. Mm -hmm. you know and god will letter by letter that book that sentence that paragraph that page Mm -hmm. and before you know it now you have a book a story to tell Mm -hmm. and just give god what you have Mm -hmm. if it's that if it's just one letter we're making progress and we're getting somewhere. we're moving you know
0: yeah that's awesome and i i appreciate just what God's done in my life, but to hear what God's done in your life and how you start to see this thing changing the story that he's writing unfolding, like before your very eyes and, and um, what an exciting journey because what God has in store for, I know both of you guys and many, many others out there that are listening is, is profound. Um, There's one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 33, three where the prophet Jeremiah, who is known as the weeping prophet cries out to God, like, he's crying out for vision. He's like, God, show me. And God says, reach out to me, seek me with all your heart. And I'll, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. And I mean, I just see that unfolding in both of your lives and I'm, I'm super proud and blessed to know you guys and to be a part of, you know, your lives and your stories. And as we kind of come to a close, I'm, I'm curious if you would maybe just share a glimpse of what is, what are some of the dreams that you have about your future and, you know, just again, to not only inspire me, but to inspire others that might be listening. What do you what do you see? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: are your hopes and dreams?
1: So I feel like I'm living my dream now mm-hmm. because I have a vision now because I used to not have one, but I really want to work for the FBI. Mm-hmm. I love anything crime related, like victim specialist. But most of all, I just want to always cling close to God any season that I'm in. Yeah. because I don't want to do it by myself cuz it's just not possible. Yeah. So, my dreams are just making sure that I'm doing what God wants me to do. Mm,
0: that's good. Living my life for him. That's good. Yeah. Text, any thoughts? Good old dreams. No. Um <laughs> 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 No, for,
2: uh, I would say a dream for me or or, or some or, uh, aspiration is just really continuing doing what me and my wife are doing in terms of being involved in kids' lives that are in foster care. Mm. And so, something I'll, I often tell myself and is imagine if, if we just had a neighborhood that would just say, you know what, we're going to get involved. Just one neighborhood, the the change and the difference that could be made yeah. in the foster care system alone. And I think for me, a dream for me is just uh, bridging the gap between the foster care world and the the world that we know, mm-hmm. because it's two different worlds. In, in, mm-hmm. in all, basically, because mm-hmm. it's like so many things about the foster care world that people in the in the real world don't really know. And mm-hmm. I like to try to bridge that gap by really getting them curious, educating them. So really, allow. I mean, who knows <laughs> where this where this train can end? But just mm-hmm. bringing more knowledge of foster care through the masses, so people have a real understanding grass
0: of, okay, this is what foster is, and I want to get involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It kind of makes me think about, um, you know, these two greatest commandments that God talks about, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if we as a country and a society could do that, you're going to be then totally connected to the Lord, which is kind of what you said, and you're going to be able to make tremendous impact and change in the communities that we serve. And and that's why we're, why we're doing what we're doing. So I just want to thank you guys so much. I want to kind of give you my own round of applause for spending deep. some I time deep. with me today. Um, it's great to see you again, friend. <laughs> and I get to see Akoya now more. She's in the office doing her internship. And uh, really, I hope you can hear in my voice or see to my face, just really uh, sincerely how much I'm blessed to get to know these guys and watch God use them um, to change the world. And and I hope that inspires somebody out there because, don't just look at your circumstances. Look up, look at God. If you don't have Jesus as your Savior, invite him in and watch what he can do in in your life. And uh, anything is possible with God, the Bible says. So um, as we wrap up another great episode of Advocate for Kids podcast, thank you, Tex. Thank you, Akoya, for joining and sharing this segment, which is about stories. And join us in a future episode where we'll continue our emphasis on focusing on foster care best practices or business best practices. And again, just telling great stories of transformation that we get to experience every day. And again, um, we appreciate you tuning in. We hope you were blessed by our episode today and we'll see you in the future on another Advocate for Kids podcast. Take care.